Since I do like to eat them, I think killing them first is best. <laughs> Not with everything, because I do like sushi. Well, actually, you kill those too, but... So, uh, you, you probably got email this week um, to let you know what's going on so there's no confusion with this. Um, we did get broke into uh, this last week, and uh, it was, it, there were some very unique things about the breaking in that I can explain a little bit, but um, the, the biggest reason, the biggest thing that you need to know is, and that we need some information from you, is that if you wrote a check last week... Um, you need to put a stop payment or, or whatever on that check. And then uh, if you could, please call the church office or email the church office to let us know um, what the information about that check was. We're trying to put this together for the police, and we're trying to put this together for our insurance company, um, how this goes down. And so um, we understand that there's no really way we can track the cash, although if you did give cash and you want to... Um, uh, let us know that too. We we still will just make sure that the police and the insurance uh, knows about that. And it was a very unique break in. I'll, I'll say I'll say it this way so that um, I can I can say this once instead of like fifty times or a hundred times. It was a very unique break in. They didn't actually try to steal anything um, in the process. There was all kinds of things that were passed right by laptops. Um, musical instruments. I mean, you, this whole room is full of, you know, lots of stuff. Uh, it appeared that they wanted to get into our files. That was the main goal of this. And in the process of getting in our files, uh, they found the combination to the safe, and that's how they got into the safe. Um, we have locked cabinets. We have other cabinets that lock that have the the uh, combination. I don't actually know which one it was because I don't know if I would know how to find the combination. But that they, it seems like that the safe was a, a crime of opportunity, not their intent, because uh, they broke open all of our files and, and went through all of our files and spread those out and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, we have ideas about what this looks like and why, and it does appear that, that uh, maybe my, um, my newer interests are what is motivating some of this. And so, so we... we um, We've looked at a few things over the last few years of, of cameras and security and stuff like this, and we had decided, not this past spring, but the spring before, we had actually looked at cameras on the light poles and different things, and we decided, well, we're about to start construction in the fall. We'll wait until the construction happens. And then we didn't actually do all the construction. We just did the, the water sewer, all that stuff, and in the process, didn't revisit the camera thing. And so tomorrow night we have a board meeting. We will be revisiting the camera thing. Um, tomorrow night for security reasons and that kind of stuff. It's not a big thing. They, they tore some stuff up, and we fixed most of that stuff already uh, this last few weeks. It has cost us quite a bit of money uh, to do all of this, but we don't want you to be worried or nervous, and, and you, can, you can still give offerings, and they'll be safe and secure because um, we've, we've um, learned some things in this last uh, little endeavor. So um, if you've got questions, we don't mind answering them. Um, but really, that's about all we know. The police are taking care of this, and they did get some fingerprints and some things. But um, if, you, if you understand how this works, uh, there's just not a really good pot. There's not a strong possibility anything is going to come of this. Um, it's just not the way these kind of things work. And so, so just to let you know, that's what happened, and that's why we need you just to, just to call the church or email the church if you had 
um, if you gave a check so that we can document that along the way. Um, some things that have been in the news this week, I ran across this article and it just kind of, I was just reading through it. I, I kind of peruse most of the stuff I read. I was kind of reading through it and this stuck out at me. So I went back and read the whole article and, and uh, this, I think this was a school in New Jersey that they were talking about this, but the, they said that since, um, since the, uh, the kind of the last couple years of this uh, gender, transgender issues that are being pushed into the schools. Uh, and by the way, they, they are being pushed. Um, this is not, I mean, there's a, there's a understanding that a, you know, a fourth grade girl or boy may wonder if there should have been the opposite sex. That actually is a thought process that happens um, a lot. And that's where responsible adults come alongside and know this is, this is how God made you, uh, that kind of thing. But in the last couple of years, this particular school district in New Jersey had a 582% increase in gender non-conforming students. 582%. And then the rest of the article explained that this is a pretty consistent number across the United States. And so when people say, oh, it's not really happening, it is happening. Oh, that's not, that's just, it's, it's, this, is how, this is how the anti-God thought process tries to spin this, and people that are espousing it try to spin it is, well, they've always been this way, but we've controlled them and kept them down. That is not what's going on, guys. Um, it, this is being pushed and groomed and, and, and encouraged to the point where kids don't know what's going on now, and they're confused. And, and coincidentally, this is also why suicide rates are off the chart right now, because you can't have those two things. A similar thing in Virginia. Virginia just um, sent a bill up, and it's uh, being voted on right now, that you can actually, if this bill goes through, parents will actually be held um, uh, as, uh, will, be, will have ch charges filed on them for child abuse if they don't affirm the LGBT mindset within their children, and ultimately can have their children taken away if they try to disagree with that LGBT mindset within a child, um, their child in their home that they're parent of. Uh, this is, we, we are in a very bizarre, th th this really is like when you look at the Bolshevik revolution and how they, they twisted and perverted the children. When you look at Nazism, the, the, the brown shirts, um, the youth, the Nazi youth, I mean, this is this kind of thing that we're seeing that's happening here, a complete, it's, it's completely void of God. Um, also, this week, your ballots are dropping. You'll be getting them in the mail. Here's what I would like to suggest. You can do what you need to, but here's what I would like to suggest. First, if you possibly can, go vote in person, if you possibly can. Um, if you have a ballot and you want to fill that out, rather than just put it, please do not put it in the drop boxes that you see. You'll see the signs, drop box here, ballot drop box. Do not put it in ballot drop boxes unless they are at um, the DMV. Okay, unless they are in the DMV office, please do not drop those uh, in boxes. Try not to mail them if you can keep away from it. The best idea is to take them to a voting, uh, a voting center, and if you possibly can, do it on the day of election. And if you can, also vote in person and don't fill out the ballot. Destroy the ballot and vote in person. Okay, that, that's... Those are the, the things that right now you can do to try to offset voter fraud, election fraud. I, don't, I still don't know if we can, 
we can actually change election fraud right now, but we can at least try to do some things uh, along the way. And that's going to be happening this week. And so, um, one more thing is a couple weeks ago we had uh, Ted Meese here with us, and he was talking to us about um, uh, being a school board member. This is who he is. This is what he does. Ted, wave your arm back there. Stand, say hello. Um, So he's back this week to actually meet with you and talk with you about this. We're going to provide lunch for you after service if you want to stay for a few minutes and talk to Ted about this. And here's the basic things. If you think there's any possible way that you would consider casually maybe ever being a school board member or helping somebody be involved in in the school board or supporting them or maybe um, talking to people for them or anything along the way, you want to get engaged at any level, before you just discount yourself and say, well, I can't, I'm too old, too young, I'm whatever, whatever way you try to disqualify yourself, please don't do that. At least have a conversation with Ted and consider running for school board. Okay, or helping somebody run for school board. Guys, there's a difference between always um, upset about the stuff and actually doing something about it. And we want to be people that try to do something about it. And so, so if you're any casually any thinking about that after this service, um, get with Ted and, and we'll, we'll provide you some sandwiches and some things like that so you guys can hang out and talk and do that kind of thing. All right, <clears throat> turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. You know I like to start here with things. Well, this is a marriage series. I usually do this for eight weeks, and I usually do this about once every year, year and a half. And I, and I have realized over the last six months or so that I haven't done one of these marriage series in, in uh, about three years, a little bit longer than that. And so <clears throat> um, here we go. There's a lot of stuff here. I want to throw some disclaimers out before I jump into this. I'm going to give you a lot of information this morning. Um, in fact, I realized uh, at, at, during first service, I have too much information. I'm going to try to trim back some of the informational side of stuff. But this is not to be used as, um, as ammunition against uh, your spouse. And by the way, everything I'm going to be talking about over these four weeks, it's usually eight weeks, but I'm going to squeeze it down into four weeks. Um, the, this is more than just marriage stuff. You're going to see as we go through this, this is a lot of just understanding members of the opposite sex, trying to figure out who you are in God, how some of these things fit, uh, how your life is and some things. But when it comes to the marriage stuff, please do not see this stuff as ammunition. That defeats the purpose. Uh, see this as a benefit. You know, make little notes to yourself, and maybe in your head that says, yeah, that is that person, or that is me. And then you talk about it later, and you discuss it in a, in a happy sense. Maybe make some cotton candy and, um, and just talk about marriage, and, uh, and make it a fun thing. Um, don't make it a negative thing, because I'm going to give you plenty of information that, if used in the wrong hands, could destroy the planet. So we want to make sure... Uh, that we're, we're staying positive, keep, keep the right context. The right context is we're trying to understand each other, we're trying to have godly marriage, understanding the concept of marriage, all this stuff over these next few weeks. Um, going to Genesis chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Now, you understand that uh, chapter 1 is kind of the outline, the overview, and then chapter 2 and 3 come back and break it down into more specific detail stuff and explain the stuff in, in, in Genesis 1. I, I, I uh, saw a guy, that, I read a book one time, this guy was explaining this stuff about marriage, I mean uh, about uh, creation, and he says, you know, this is the first part of creation, this is the second part. They're the same, t- they're the same thing. He's just explaining the first part like an overview 
like the thesis, and then he begins to break these down, okay? So in the overview, he says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. This is, this is a very important starting point. In fact, I think this is a starting point for life, is you're creating God's image. Own that. See that. Understand that. Respect that. That you're not just, you didn't evolve, You are specifically designed in the image of God. And all humans ever have all been created in the image of God. That's why I don't believe in this this bazillions of years that we've evolved. That's That's not true. Okay? You didn't come from the animal kingdom. Look at he says. He says, you, human beings, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. You are not created the same as, as animals. You are created as a human. You are not the top of the food chain. Now, you, you are the top of the food chain, but not in an evolutionary sense. Um, God made you different, and he also gave you dominion over the animals. That's why th- there's this big push um, in this, in this um, environmental kind of thing that says that animals have more importance and priority that, than people. The animals, the people are the problem. People are not the problem. You're the center of this thing. God created the heavens and the earth specifically for you. The earth wasn't just here and then God's like, well, what do I do with this? I guess I could make people things and put them there. No, he already had us in mind. Scripture says before the foundations of the earth, he knew us. And then he creates earth. For what reason? To put us on. Guys, we're not the problem. We can cause problems. I get that. But we're not the problem. We're the center of this. God designed earth and put you here specifically because he loves you and he's got a plan. And that plan way transcends this limited physical life. Okay, I talk about that some. That's not for today. But, but you're the center of this thing. You're not, you're not causing the earth problems by being here. There's no reason for the earth without you. You're, you're not the same as animals. You were given dominion over the animals. Now, I, I make jokes about vegetarians and things. I, I, there's nothing wrong with being a vegetarian. I just ain't one. And I don't have a desire to be one. I saw an interesting meme the other day. Why do, why do vegetarians want their vegetables to taste like meat? Right? They make a vegetarian burger so it tastes like burger. Here's a cool way to get that. Eat a burger. <laughs> I just, I don't. Um, but I, I mean, I joke about being a vegetarian. There's nothing wrong with that. Be a vegetarian. I, I, I don't know about the whole vegan thing. But I, I do think vegetarian, you're cool, whatever. But God gave us the ability to eat animals. And he made them eatable. That's, that's an... I know some of you say edible, whatever, tomato, tomato. <laughs> but th- this is the thing with that. I even told my dog that one time. He was digging a hole in the yard, and I said, you know what? I can eat you. And I have eaten dog before. It's not that bad. <laughs> That's the line. So God created human beings in his own image. Guys, we've got to know that. You are creating God's image, but here's the thing. is so were other people. They were also created in God's image. And here's the biggest one. Your spouse was created in God's image. He really likes them. You ought to process that sometimes. That was a very eye-opening moment years ago in my life is when I realized that God really liked Linda too. 
and maybe at that time, more than me. Think about that. In the image of God, he, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And it's interesting that God does this. Well, let me, let me unpack this a little more before I go there. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So, in response to that thought process, in response to that sentence, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So, the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. Now, this had to have taken quite a long time if you really think about it. Um, but what part of the process was not just Adam naming the animals, which, by the way, I think when Adam named the animals... I think um, this was a spiritual endeavor, not just a, a cognitive process. And I think that he gave the name to the animals that God had designed that animal to be named. Which, by the way, does not mean that we are calling that animal by that name today, right? Um, and, and the reason I think that's important is because I've talked about this. When God gives you your new name that he's going to when you step into eternity, it's the name God designed for you. Not the one that mom and dad named you. That's a whole other subject. But, and part of the reason that God had all these animals come in front of Adam and Adam was naming them is he was proving to Adam and showing Adam, this is not the helper that I have for you. It's not a giraffe. It's, it's not a mosquito or any of that kind of stuff. It's not even a dog or a cat. And I know some of you are like, well, my dog is... He understands everything I say. No, no, he doesn't. You can paint his nails. That just is weird. <laughs> I shouldn't be so judgmental. If you want to paint your dog's nails, that is not my business. Weirdo. So, <laughs> so then, verse 21, so the Lord God caused a man to fall into a deep sleep. Sometime I'm going to talk about that little part, the deep sleep, because there's some importance to that comes to this, and, and I'll just throw this out here because there's some really good stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a whole sermon series probably about this, um, some stuff that I'm studying, but talking about, um, it's interesting that it says that, the, that, there was, that there was nothing, and God creates the earth and there's nothing on the earth, and that his, it, it says that his voice or his breath moved about the surface of the waters. I love this. There's so much going on with this stuff. And then he reaches into the dirt, the ground, and he creates Adam out of the dirt. And then he breathes his spirit. So God's spiritual heavens, there's, there's a lot of stuff all through Scripture. It's very imagery-oriented about this. The heavens and the, all the stuff that's there, up there somewhere. And then that's where God is, Right? And then there's the earth, which is very limited and corporal and physical. And, um, and then he creates Adam from that, pulls him up from the earth, and then breathes into him from the spiritual. So Adam, humanity, not just the man Adam, but you and I are the, 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 the focus point of all of this, where the spiritual and the physical meet, where the, where the uh, spiritual and the corporal meet in the middle is in humanity. And then that's where God is, is residing and living is within us. In this, in this place. That's why we are given dominion. Yes, we did hand it over to Satan. We did voluntarily give Satan authority over this earth. And scripture says that. That he is the one that has the, the, the power over the earth. Because we did this. 
But here's how we take it back, is we, reun- we reunite with God in this spiritual corporal connection by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it takes the authority individually and puts it back um, in our hands over our area of influence and our domain. Not the whole world, but within our, uh, our understanding and our um, reach. And that's this, there's a whole lot going on there when it comes to this understanding of the spiritual and the corporal and the, and the connection of that and how God has designed us, all this. It's just amazing stuff. So God caused a man to fall into deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more in a few weeks down this road, having to do with the fact that this, that this rib is the rib cage which protects the heart and all of the sensitive um, organs, and that, that that's what God chooses to take, okay? But I want to unpack this a little differently this morning. In verse 25, Adam says, at last. Why did Adam say at last? Because he's been watching all these animals parade in front of him. He's been naming all these animals. And finally, he sees one that's different, and she's different in a really cool, kind of like him way. I mean, bumpier, but, but cool, right? And he says, at last, the man exclaimed. This, I always get a lot of laughs from over here when I say that. <laughs> this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. Now, now, this is important, okay? Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, except this translation, the New Living Translation, says that God took a rib. So if it was just a rib, then wouldn't it just be bone of my bone? Where was the flesh of my flesh? Because the, the bigger, the more proper translation, rib works just fine. It is not the wrong translation. But it really is better to say that God took, opened up Adam's side and, and created woman out of his side not just the rib. Okay, the rib works, but really the bigger language is from his side, and that's why Adam says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, because she comes from him in his side. And I want to show you something there. And then he says, she will be called woman. Now, I may be adding into this, this may not be theologically everything you're seeing here, but I think when he saw her, he said, whoa, man. Right? Guys, am I right? So I'm right. <laughs> Calm down. So, you know, let me, let, me throw, let me throw this out here just for a second. I didn't say this in first service, but let me throw this out here. I've had many couples over the years come to um, talk to me, counsel, that kind of thing. And it's, it's very rarely the guy that's struggling with this, but she is struggling with being beautiful to him. Well, I've gotten fat or I'm older now, or all this stuff. Okay, ladies, let me tell you this. No matter, because no matter how much he says this to you, you won't hear him. He still says, whoa, man, every time he sees you. You may not see it that way. You may look in the mirror and say, well, this is not who he married. It's exactly who he married. And that's what he sees, and that's what he understands. And he still finds you beautiful, sexy, attractive, all the stuff. You're, yeah. (laughs) You're just struggling with it, ladies. 
This is, this is important for you to hear. You're, you're still, guys, she's still just as hot to you today. You better, <laughs> some of you like, ah, <laughs> oh, you're on your own. Verse 24, I set you up there, guys. Verse 24, now guys, this is important. This is, explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. That's called marriage, and it's the first thing God ever designed. It's the first institution. It's the first anything. Came before government, came before any financial institutions, any, the institution of marriage. The reason I say that is because I, I, I hear all the time when, when people say, well, I, I, don't, I don't need to get married. That's an institution of man. It is not an institution of man. And I've sat down with couples where, like he or she, whichever one, wants to get married and the other one doesn't. And the one that doesn't will say, well, I don't need a piece of paper to say that I'm married. Okay, and if it doesn't mean anything, just do it for them. If the paper means nothing, just get married because they want the paper. And they're like, well, wait a second. Well, I thought you said it didn't mean anything. But it does mean something, and they know it. Okay? So here's something. Let me come back to this. The Lord God made a woman from the side of the man, brought her to the man. This is something I, I, I've been processing this. I've been studying this. I'm going to try to encapsulate this because it's a very, very big subject um, that I've been studying. Basically, it's this. It's the idea of phraseology um, within the context of cultural, biblical cultural understanding from Genesis to Revelation, okay? So when a phrase is used somewhere in Scripture, what does that mean throughout um, the rest of Scripture and how the, the, the Bible, and this is actually one of the terms, it's, it has a New Age feel to it, but it's, that's not what it means. It's too long for me to, to explain to you what it means. But the concept of what's called biblical cosmology or phraseology, cosmology is a better word, that says that if this is, if this is mentioned here in Scripture, then when that phraseology is used somewhere else, the biblical cosmology of that explains the meaning of it. Okay, another way to say that, and it's bigger than just colloquial. It's more of a, um, it's more of a cultural worldview understanding of how that phrase is used. Okay, because if you think about all the centuries of writing and all the many different writers, that, and then jumping into the New Testament, which has a, a, it's a, it's the, you know, it's it's the revelation has been fulfilled, all this kind of stuff. Well, so then when you go into Scripture where it talks about Jesus is a, he's the cornerstone, but he's the stumbling block, right, to the Jews. And we understand that doesn't just mean the Jews. He's a stumbling block to anybody that won't accept him and realize that he's truth. And you'll see that in your day all the time, where in today all the time, where, where somebody struggles with the church or Jesus or something else, not because of who Jesus is, but because of the way they perceive him, and that becomes a stumbling block, okay? Now, here's the reality. Jesus is not the problem, He's not a stumbling block because he's the problem. Jesus is a stumbling block because he's truth and he's light and he's life and he came for this purpose. Now, it's, now that I've said that, I'm going I'm to come back to this in Genesis because this is some of the, 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 the cosmology that is the biblical cosmology. It's related here. When, when we see where the statement or the phrase in Hebrew, the, the, the whole phrase put together that God opened Jesus' side, uh, Jesus, um, what's the dude's name? Adam. God opened Adam's side, 
and, and created Eve from his side. Now, I'm going to go more into the rib and the, all that stuff in a couple of weeks. But, but when he opened his side and, and created woman from his side, it is the same cosmology as Jesus being a stumbling block. Now, follow me with this. I've been saying this for years that I believe that God designed Linda, and I'm, I'm using Linda as an example, but, but this is for all of us. I believe that God designed your spouse to specifically be sandpaper to you. We don't like that. Some of you are like, she's pretty gritty. <laughs> but, but here's the phraseology here. That God opened Adam's side and created woman as a stumbling block to Adam. But not in a bad way. In a good way. The moment it becomes bad is when Adam begins to resist what God designed her to be. And he starts trying to make her something else. Or not pay attention to what she is there for. That's when it becomes a negative thing. Jesus is not a negative when it comes to stumbling block. It's the heart of the individual that allows Jesus and his truth to be stumbling to them. It's not Jesus. God designed your spouse to be the opposite of you, to be the mirror of you. When you look in the mirror, you see the ways that she's different or he's different. This, By the way, this isn't just a her thing. This is both of us. Guys, you are designed by God to be that sandpaper to your wife. Wife, you're designed to be that sandpaper. Now, don't say, yeah, okay, and I'm going to get at it. That's not the point. If you're trying to be the sandpaper, you've missed the point, and you're causing problems. If you're trying to change your spouse, you're causing problems. You're not helping them. When you naturally submit to God and be who you're supposed to be, you become a natural God-given mirror into that person's life. That now you can help them and help them see and change and all these other kind of stuff. God made us to be opposites. That's why when I hear couples, when, they, you know, when they're young, they're about to get married and all that stuff, and, and they come in and they're, we're just like each other. We have a, and I think, okay, you know, that kind of thing. But... Because why? God actually designed you to be opposites and you don't know it. God didn't design you to like all the same stuff. It's cool when you do like some things the same, but be married long enough and that'll even be tainted. I, that's not the right word. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, <clears throat> so you're not designed to be the same. Think about this. Just anatomically, you're opposites. Right? This is, this is why homosexuality doesn't even make anatomical sense. You're, a, you're two puzzle pieces, the opposite puzzle pieces. I don't need to explain more, right? You guys get it? Okay. You're designed to be opposite. You're designed to be mentally opposite, emotionally opposite, relationally opposite. You're not designed to be the same. The problem that we have is we try to turn our spouse, and we do this with, with just guys and girls in general, Think about everything going on in society today. How dare a girl be different? How dare a guy be different? Now, you can be different if you're going to be the opposite, but not, the, not if you're going to be who you are. It's weird where we've gone in society with all this. So let me, let me unpack some of this stuff. This is, um, 
this is some studies that I came across. This is over 20 years ago, and I started looking at some things. And, and okay, so you even got to back up farther than that. In the 1960s, going into the 1970s, I was born in 1970. And so coming out of the 60s, our country really went, it was going through some major, major changes. And, and, and all the people that have been in charge of things over the last 20 years were that generation out of the 60s that were really trying to, to foundationally train, change our country and not in a good way for the most part, okay? Now, there is some really good stuff that came out of uh, women's movements and feminist movements in the 1960s into the 70s. Um, but there was some really negative stuff that we're still struggling with today, okay? And, and let me just throw this out here, too, because this one just always gets under my skin. Where are all the feminists of the 1960s and the 1970s now when boys are competing in girls' sports? Why aren't they marching in the streets? They fought like crazy in the 1960s to get girls' sports in high school and colleges in equality with guys' sports, now men are going in and competing in those sports, and these feminists all of a sudden are quiet. Maybe, maybe it really wasn't about the issue. Maybe it really wasn't about women. Mm. So, one of the things that came out of the feminist movements, and for you guys that are older, you'll recognize this name. Um, a guy named Dr. Spock. Okay, not this guy, all right. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure he was a doctor. But uh, Dr. Spock, psychologist, psychiatrist, uh, family, um, parenting psychology was his, like his forte, his strength. And so he wrote this book, and he explains in the book how boys and girls are exactly the same. And that the only reason boys like um, things, certain things, and certain colors, or whatever, is because uh, society and parents push them that way, and they conform them into that mold, uh, the only reason girls like um, baby dolls is because we made them play with baby dolls, right? And, and then this became very popular in the 60s and 70s. Very, this guy was the man. And all of a sudden, you get all these parenting classes and understanding and all this kind of stuff, and the feminist movements were pushing it very strongly. Boys and girls are the same. Now, while we know that God created us equal, almost Every human knows intuitively boys and girls are not the same. There's nothing about us that is the same. And I personally don't want that to be the case. Right? So, so here are some things. I began to study this. These are some studies that came out by Harvard, Stanford, Berkeley. There was a bunch of universities, and you can Google. There's so much stuff online. I was Googling this over the last few weeks, just bringing up, and I just have too much information. And so I'm going to keep it very limited uh, this morning, the information that I'm given. But basically what, they, what started all this for me is I was reading this report that had come out of Harvard. Um, this would have been about 25 years ago. And, uh, and this was just beginning. This, this um, bright individual at Harvard University came up to a conclusion. And they said, there is, a, there is a, a possibility that boys and girls are different. And you're like, oh, Harvard. Okay, so, so they began to do studies about this. And one of the things they found, because technology was increasing at the time, one of the things they found is, and then I go over this stuff in pre-Mary constantly, some of this, not everything I'm going to do here, but... Um, it's interesting how different your, your, the person of the opposite sex is from you. They found out that in the male brain, well, let me, let me throw this out here first. 
Do you realize that uh, Jewish understanding, biblical tradition, biblical scripture and tradition says that a Jewish boy is, um, is circumcised on the eighth day after birth, okay? Do you realize that science has found, after they've been doing this for a few thousand years, science has found that there's this weird phenomenon that happens in the male body on the eighth day after birth, that the coagulant agents throughout the body go astronomically high and the blood coagulates extremely quickly on the eighth day. I'm sure that's purely coincidental. And God just happened to get that one right. So here's, here's something they found. is in about the third or fourth month in the womb, uh, in the male baby, there's this thing called the testosterone bath that happens, and, and the testosterone levels go off the charts in the male um, brain during this time frame. Just, it's just a, like a few days. And during this process, there is uh, all of the connections between the left and right lobe of the brain, all the connections that are across there. You know, the, the, the uh, dendrites, they look about like this. And the dendrites that are sitting like this, and then this space right here is called the synapse. And uh, in fact, if they touch, if the dendrites touch, that's where seizures happen. Okay? The, the electrical wires are touching and shorting out is what's happening. So you got the dendrites that come in. The synapse is right there. The, the testosterone bath washes through all of the connections between the two lobes and burns most of them away. Okay. I explained this, I was showing this to Linda years ago, and I'm like, look at this on this, and she goes, I knew it, you're brain damaged. So, um, but again, this is not ammunition because that's hurtful. And so we're just saying this is what is, not what makes boys or girls better, or what, this is just what makes us different, right? Okay, so, so... The testosterone bath burns all that stuff off between there, most of those in between there. So here's what happens is they did studies. They can put up all these sensors and stuff all over the, the brain, do all this kind of stuff. And they realized that the, the female brain is when you, when you say something, ask a question, they see a picture, they have a whatever. It doesn't matter what they're doing, but when the female is engaging mentally, that her brain is doing this, Okay. When you ask the same thing with the male, his brain's doing this. But when they slow that down to a point way, way slow, because the brain is so powerful, so uh, superconductor-like that it's, it's difficult to do this. But we have the technology now that you can slow this down, and when they, when they look at the female brain, it's doing this. Okay? When they look at the male brain, it's doing this. One place at a time. And very rarely will two places in the brain simultaneously light up in the male brain. And usually it's still, if we slowed it down more, it probably still wouldn't be exactly at the same time. But at the female brain, there's multiple places all through the brain to the point where the female brain is actually has a very holistic um, um, process that is different than the male brain. The male brain is very singular in focus, space to space to space, where the female brain is all at the same time. Now, some simple things to process with this. If, if emotion is over here in the brain, and the female brain is doing this, then every single thought process involves emotion. It doesn't mean that women are 
more emotional per se, because I know women that are emotional and women that are not emotional, okay? Um, I just heard this statement at the uh, Life Network banquet this last week. I thought it was one of the better statements to explain my wife, actually. And, um, and the, the man that was speaking said that he was a crybaby, that he was emotionally incontinent. And I thought, that is a great way to say that. My wife is an emotional person, but she gets that from her father. He is very emotional. He's a crybaby. I am not talking about being emotional. What I'm talking about is the thought process of how our brain works, and that for women, if they are having a thought process, it is involving emotions. Whereas a man can have a thought over here, and emotions are over here, and the, the, the two are not meeting. They're not together. That, that's why this was, I, I quote this every now and then, I'll, I'll use um, um, Shelby and Marcus here. Uh, a few years ago, Shelby was leading worship up here, and Marcus was playing the guitar or something, and, and she said, um, so we, I want to do it this way. Marcus, what do you feel about this? And he said, I don't feel. <laughs> and I thought, I got gotcha. you. It is, it, is it is a strong possibility that a man can have thought processes that involve zero emotion whatsoever because he's not going there in his brain. It is impossible for a woman to have a thought process that does not include emotion somehow. Not emotionalism, but the process of it. And so this is where fights occur, correct? This is where arguments break out. Um, two or three different people after first service came and asked me, or said to me, I have said, to, it was the women, said, I have said to my husband many times over the years, what do you feel about this? And he says, I don't know. And, and now maybe I think he's not lying. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Glad to have you with us. So the president of Harvard, Larry Summers, in 2005, after Harvard started coming out with all these um, studies that were showing the, the uniqueness and the differences between men and women, he had a, a press uh, a conference thing, and he talked about how this is exciting for humanity and that he is excited, and this is the way he said it, not a quote, but this is the way he said it. He's excited that, that we understand the differences between men and women, and this gives women the ability to be everything that they can possibly be. The entire um, Board of Regents of Harvard voted unanimously to censor him because he was saying men and women were different. They harassed him, gave him a no-confidence vote of 100%, and less than a year later, he had resigned and left Harvard because he had taken the, the studies that Harvard had done it said men and women are different, men and women are different, and he celebrated that, and, they, and he lost his job over it. There is this incessant desire to say we're the same. Why? Because if we're the same, then there's things that we take off the table, and one of the biggest things we take off the table is that you were created in the image of God, that God designed you, and he's got a plan. And guys, you're not the same as the girl. Girl, you're not the same as the guy. And the problem we have in marriage oftentimes is we're trying to make them like us. That's, that's harmful. 
It's not a healthy thing. Let me give you some other things. Men are very um, focused, individualistically focused. They have better depth perception. Um, women have a much more panoramic view of things. And this is, years ago, this is probably, uh, I was over 15 years ago, and I just got through speaking about this stuff in the, in the service, and I'd given different examples, and we were at some friends of ours' house, and um, Linda said, run out to the van and get the camera. Okay, back then, we didn't, phones didn't have cameras, okay? You had these little things that you pushed a button, and you went, and you pushed the button, you understand what I'm saying? And then you took that to Walmart, and Walmart gave you this little package uh, pictures. And so that's, so she said, go out to the van and get the camera. So it was a digital camera, but I, I ran out to the van. I, I look and she said, it's in my purse. So I go out there and I look in her purse. There's no camera in there. And I start to go back inside and literally like two or three steps. I said, wait a second. She's not going to do this to me because I've experienced this before. She says, your socks are in the top drawer. Um, brown socks, I go in there, I look through the whole drawer or nothing, and then she comes in and opens the drawer and goes, here they are. I'm like, witchcraft. So, <clears throat> so she wasn't going to catch me, and we'd just been sitting inside and talking about this. So I was like, nope, she's not going to do this. So I go back and look again. I can't find the camera, but I said, no, she said, in my purse. So, and don't judge me because I don't care what you think about this next part. <laughs> to, to make sure that I was not wrong here, I dumped her purse out in the seat everything. And I went through it. No camera. Now I got her. So I went back inside and I said, um, Linda, the camera's not in the purse. And she said, oh, because that's her favorite word. And so <laughs> she, she says, it's, I'll go get it. And I said, wait a second. To prove to you that it's not there. See, in my head, this was good information I was about to give her. I dumped your purse out in the seat. It's not there. And she said, bleep, bleep. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> she said, okay, I'm going to go outside. And now the couple that was sitting there is like, this is now a group effort. We should all go outside and see if the camera's out there. So we all four go marching out there. And she opens the door and reaches in and grabs the camera out of that pile of stuff. Voodoo, I'm telling you, it's voodoo. <laughs> so here's the thing. Women see everything, but here's what they're finding out is that men, unless they have a picture in their head that closely resembles or matches what they're looking for, they can look right past it and not see it because they have singular, much more singularness of focus, which, by the way, is why, for the most part, men make better snipers than women. Because they can focus on that one thing and not wor be worried about all the other stuff. Many times we've been driving down the highway, Linda's driving, and, and she says, did you see that lady's lipstick? What are you talking about? Two lanes over, four cars back, did you see her lipstick? I'm like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. But I can see the wreck unfolding in a block in front of us that you're about to get into. Another way, guys, you probably, some of you in here, I guarantee you've dealt with this. You're sitting at the red light, car's turning like this, and you're staring at that beautiful muscle car that's coming around, and you look back and your wife's going, do you think she's pretty? Who? The woman in that car. I saw a Chevy Chevelle SS Supersport. I didn't see a woman. With a small block. I didn't see a woman. We're, we're seeing different things. 
They have found that women see everything in a much more panoramic, and that's why they can, they, you show men and women a picture very quickly, and a woman can tell you more details in that picture. You show them longer, and a guy can show you more details in that picture because he's focusing on the different issues, the different things. Insurance companies figured out years ago that once a guy gets over 25 years old and matures, he becomes a better driver overall. Now, that is actually changing. But for years and years, insurance companies, they're not doing this because they're, they're misogynistic or they're patriarchal or anything. It's all about numbers to the insurance company. So the insurance, car insurance for guys was cheaper after they get to be 25. Not because they do this better, but because they do this better. And it's harder for a woman to disassimilate all the information that's coming at her all the time. Let me, let me jump down. I'm running out of time again here. Harvard did a study of a bunch of four- to five-year-olds on playgrounds. They've set up microphones, cameras, all kinds of stuff, and they just watched these kids play, and they did this over quite a f- um, period of time. And for boys, 32% of the sounds they made were just sounds. Okay? Which, by the way, do you know what the predominant sound was? I'm not making that up. 68% of the sounds boys made were words. Of the girls, what percentage of sounds do you think were words? 100%. Which, as women get older, I think that changes because my wife does "Ah," a lot, which is not a word, I don't think. Do you realize that women have almost twice as many receptors in their skin that boys do, men do? Which I believe, personally, that they can feel emotionally more. They can physically feel emotionally in ways that guys can't. That's why they pick up a baby, and most of the time the baby quietens down. It's not because the baby doesn't like guys. It's because he's not feeling. That's why he doesn't hold the baby the same way or whatever. Guys have to learn that. For, for, for women, it's more intuitive. Okay. Guy comes home from work and says, uh, uh, wife comes home from work and says to the guy, how was your day? What's his answer? Fine. Good. It's okay. Dandy. Um, He comes home and asks his wife, how was your day? (laughs) Two hours later, (laughs) you're going... I don't think I asked all these questions. What they're finding out is that women see life, when she hears that question, she sees that as a journey into her existence that she wants him to go with her on. It's relational. There's no non-relational context, right? Because her brain's using all the stuff. For a guy, he answered the question. There was nothing major, no explosions, nobody died. It was fine. Now, give him a little while, and he'll probably start telling you this stuff. But when you ask him the question, he's, not, he's answering the question, not figuring this stuff out. Lynn and I realized this over time, that I really do like to talk to her, and I really do like to communicate and all that stuff, but I do it differently, and I do it at different times. My thing is when I wake up at 2 in the morning, I'm ready to talk. And so I'll just stare at her <laughs> until she feels it, and she's like, like, oh, you're awake. So here's what happened today. <clears throat> right. Um, here's what I have found in 32 years of, of, of uh, counseling people 
and I know this one is anti, it's countercultural, is women are not better communicators than men. I know that's the way everybody looks at it. I have not, I've not one time found that to be true. They, they communicate differently than men, but men also communicate. Women talk more. Women talk 60 to 70,000 words a day. Men talk around 10,000 words a day if they have to. Some guys are like, I'm nowhere near that. Yeah, we know that's, that's the point is we're different. Women are much more natural talkers, but not necessarily better communicators. And ladies, if you think I'm not right about this, ask yourself, when is the last time that you really, truly opened up to another woman or, or your husband? I mean really open up. Not talking about emotional stuff, but I mean really opening up the deeper stuff of life. We don't do that naturally. It's not. It's human beings, we just don't do that. But we can learn how to do that, and you can actually learn how to communicate with your spouse. I'm going to give you some more stuff over the next few weeks about some of this too. But let me, let me finish this this morning with Ephesians chapter 5. Um, then we're going to go to the end of this. So over the, last, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about um, a lot of Ephesians chapter 5. But I'm just going to jump to the end of it today. In verse 31, it says, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. Hey, let me throw this out here too. Do you know it never one time in scripture says a woman leaves her mother and father? It says a man leaves his mother and father. And here's some basic reasons why. The man is the one who struggles with that more than she does. We always, we always think it's the other way around, mama, the girl, the, she can't leave her mom and all this. That is not my experience. Usually it's the guy's mom. That, Can I get a raise of hand? No, don't do that right now. <laughs> okay. I almost, I almost went too far right there. A man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, and that is marriage. And then it has this amazing thing. This is a great mystery. Because you know it's a mystery. How do two people, how do two people do this? Lynn and I are both very strong personalities, very hard-headed, very out there in our personalities. The fact that we're about to celebrate 32 years, I think, is a mystery. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, th- now the first two or three years were very rough. They were very, very difficult. We, we almost didn't make it through our first couple of years. And quite honestly, I think two reasons why we made it through our first two, uh, two or three years. Definitely the, the grace of God. We were trying to serve God, and he was helping us. But also, I was a youth pastor. If, I, if Linda and I didn't make it, I, I lose everything. I can't even have a job. Many of you are not like that. If you get divorced, you don't lose your job. I would have lost my job. You say, well, that's not a reason to stay together. Isn't anything better than nothing? Because 32 years later, we have a very healthy, good marriage. You, that first two or three years was difficult. The next five or six were not great. The next seven or eight after that, struggling to hang on. The next 10 or so after that, just making it, getting by. But this last year and a half has been a breeze. <laughs> we don't fight anymore. We really don't fight that much. We just don't. And if it's due, it's more like, and we're done. Why spend extra time and energy on this? You just, when you're young, you're like, no, I'm fighting to the death on this thing. And then after a while, you realize you're never going to change the psycho. Stop fighting. So you just move on. 
And I meant that to me. This is a great mystery. But, guys, here it is. But this is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. You get to see Jesus in your spouse. You say, well, not in my spouse. You do. You get to see Jesus in marriage. Grace and the covenant and the commitment and all these things. Marriage in the best is a visual picture of Jesus Christ. And that's what God gives us, is he gives us this opportunity. He says in, in Proverbs 18, verse 22, the man, who finds a tre- the man who finds a wife finds a treasure. It doesn't say finds a good wife. It just says finds a wife. You, you choose how you perceive good or not. You choose that. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Stand with me if you would. If you're, if you're married, if your spouse is here, um, grab their hand, if you don't mind. I think, Brian, you should come up here. <laughs> Why not, Brian? Come on. You love her, don't you? <laughs> Allison, you should come up here. <laughs> I have so much power right here. Here's the reality, guys. This is not just for marriages. You you really need to see this with other people, too, with everybody around you. But specifically with the person that you're married to, respect and honor the fact that God created them. He made them. You didn't. He made them. And he made them way different than you. Man, that sometimes that's so uncomfortable. Sometimes it makes us angry. I was wondering how he was doing that. But, but here's the reality of this. Guys, I want us to make some commitments. Here they are. In your mind, you can say them out loud if you want, but I must choose to understand my spouse is different. The second thing, I must live like I know God created my spouse in his image. I must stop trying to make my spouse like me. You're just going to cause problems when you try to fix your spouse. Let God do that. Let him fix you, and it would be amazing how much he fixes them. Number four, I give you my spouse completely. They belong to you. They don't belong to me. belong to you, God. Let's pray. God, we commit ourselves to you, that you're the king, that you're the king, Jesus. You're You're the authority, all authority. You're God over everything. You're the supernatural one, the transcendent one. God, we are none of those things. Help us to get that in our spirit, that you created us. We didn't create ourselves. You created our spouse. We didn't create them. You made the stars. We didn't make the stars. And God, and you have given us this opportunity. be married to somebody. God, help us to see it as the gift that it is. The amazingness that it is. God, and help us try to stop trying to make them in our image. So Lord, bless our marriages. God, in, in just in a general sense, our relationships. When we walk into work work with people of, of the opposite sex 
God, help us to, to see the amazingness of them, to respect that. Even if they're not nice people, Lord, do we still respect that they were created in your image. God, I ask you to cover every marriage with your blood. Lord, I thank you more than I could ever say, I thank you for Linda. More than I would ever be able to verbalize. She is the everything in my life. God, I thank you. Lord, help us to be extremely thankful for our marriages. God, help us to work on them through this series, through what we're going to be going on. God, show us stuff. Even stuff I'm not saying, just show us stuff that you want us to see and to understand and to do. And God will do it. I make that commitment. I'll do it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So you are going to have an opportunity to talk to um, Ted after this is over. And we have the journey tonight. Even if you didn't sign up, just let me know if you're coming. Um, and we'll see you then. So before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you a chance to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Maybe one of your neighbors you're praying for. God will give you that opportunity. Do the best you can. Take that opportunity. And God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them you're glad they're here. And we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your week.